0: It's a cliche. The sun was out, blue skies. We got to the the, the, the top of the mountain up in Whistler, and you just could see, you could see forever. Um, I can remember it so vividly now. And then when we skied down, it's just myself, and uh, and, and Davey, and and Shep, and the powder again, the classic knee to waist deep, you beautiful virgin turns, trees, and when we I remember stopping and. It was so silent, Phil, you you, you couldn't hear anything. You were just lost in the mountains.
1: So one of the things I find fascinating are the characteristics behind many different brands, some of them are Going and energetic, some a little bit more laid back. So, in this podcast, we look to explore all the different characteristics not only the brand itself, its roots, its origins, but the people behind the brand. And is there a bit of a relationship between the characters of the people and the characters of the brand? Well, good morning, good afternoon, and welcome to Legends of the Brand. And today we're speaking with uh pete waghorn from salomon and i'm super stoked to have pete on board with us today because he's been around the snowsport industry for quite a while and working for salomon for just shy of a million years is it is it pete is it i I, i'd
0: I'd go with uh, a million years yeah that sounds about right
1: phil (laughs) brilliant yeah Yeah, it's um a bit bit of a uh say a bit of a legend not only throughout the snowsport industry but a bit of a legend throughout salomon and uh Yeah, I'm quite excited because you and I, we chat a fair amount. Uh, You know, it it goes in waves, though, doesn't it? Uh, It goes
0: in waves, and I always look forward to it, Phil. So um, I'm pleased that um, we're here doing it right now.
1: Thanks very much. Well, I almost, you know, I feel like there's a third party that's missing. And uh, Mr. Backhouse, who uh, you you, you, you mentioned the other day, who's kind of my partner in crime when it comes to the kind of these sort of entertaining things. And I feel a bit bad, but I figure if we give him a bit of a shout out, maybe... um, well,
0: uh, you, you, you're digging yourself out of a hole, but I think I think you're starting. So the first the first shovels are the hardest. So well done, <laughs> that man.
1: I was thinking about some of his jokes, and I, I thought to myself, should I open up with one of his jokes? And I thought, you know what uh, i i don't <laughs> I don't think I can give it justice. But the the ironically, I was thinking about chapped lips this morning, <laughs> and that's. And that's where the only thing, I'll leave that one for a rainy
0: day. But Yeah, uh, and I don't think we've got time, Phil, I'm going to say, because you don't want to be pulled off the air before you've even started. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, well, see, if you do bump into John Backhouse at any point, you must ask him about uh, the story about Chaplips. And uh, it's a very entertaining, <laughs> entertaining story. But we're not talking about him today, we're talking about you. Um, so, uh, Mr. Waghorn. Um, could you uh, maybe share with us a little bit about your your backstory and how you kind of got yourself involved in this, <laughs> said this predicament? Um, but uh, tell us a bit about your backstory and how you kind of worked your way through to snow sports in Salomon.
0: Okay, so um, it, 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 it goes back a long way, Phil. Was um, it just first, before
1: the Ice um, Age? or
0: <laughs> My first uh, ski trip would have been the classic uh, school trip, so secondary school. And you know what? It was out to uh, Gora in Yugoslavia at the time. And um, it was one of those things where I didn't really know what to expect. And it kind of all started with a dry slope experience. So um, that was that was quite unique. You get packed off to the local dry slope, which I think at the time was in New Haven in a little shed, a little shack and um you, you you kind of think is this what i'm gonna, gonna gonna be doing here but it was a it was exciting and, in, and 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 new but the real the real hook was obviously when you got out to the resort and hey there's snow um you're away from your uh your, your parents <laughs> so so that was good and um it, that that was my first real came out and grabbed me that was my hook moment and and from that moment on i thought this is special why would wh- why would anyone want to do anything else other than be in the mountains and ski so that was my and uh, and, and do you know what it's it's interesting because i've always had this sort of um i don't know it's it's a cliche to say mantra but um love what you do and i worked that out from a pretty young age i i knew that i wanted to do something that i loved um and and guess what it was going to be around involved in sports Mm -hmm. so that in my mind i i I kind of like really well if i love what i do i never have to work another day and that that was that that just came to me i thought to myself i'm not going to go down the traditional career route i'm going to do something sporty and something i love
1: so how old would you have been when you went out on that that trip would you've
0: been about what 13 ish i'm I'm guessing 13 14 yeah, Yeah. yeah
1: And then so in preparation to the trip, you said you went to a dry slope. Um, now, was that was that in preparation for the trip or had you been going to the dry slope beforehand?
0: No, and then... no, no, no. It was in prep. So the whole thing was the introduction that the school said, right, we we'll take you to the dry slope. We'll, we'll start you. You'll, you'll, you'll get going. And, um, and, and and that was part of the, the package, really part, part of the journey.
1: That's pretty amazing that it's the school would kind of do that. I mean, I know when I was growing up, we had something similar. We didn't have dry slopes, uh, but we had a a local snow slope, or and the the school trip uh, would took us there. Uh, I guess we were probably in about grade six, grade seven. So I don't know what that would have been in translating over to to years in here. But that <laughs> I smile because I remember I remember the the, the class standing uh, sitting there, and everybody was talking about um, you know going skiing and. I laugh when I think back at the the, the time that I put my hand up in, in the class because we had a few people in the class who were mm. who were skiers. And I said, uh, the, the teacher, his name was Mr. Clausen. And I said, excuse me, sir. I said, uh, how do you slow down when you go skiing? Do you just drag your poles? And I remember everybody just <laughs> laughing. Just saying, no, you don't drag your poles. What an idiot. No, no, no. <laughs> and I think fast forward you know, a few years, and here we are in the snow sport industry and kind of thinking – how, how, you know, that influential teacher or that influential experience has then kind of shaped our, our, our lives and everything like that. That's, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's no. amazing. But, but you've always been kind of a, a bit of a, 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 you know, a sporty guy, you know, you've always enjoyed that sort of thing. So were you uh, naturally uh, doing sports uh, at school? And this is the one that you kind of, you, you took to, because I think you also had quite a passion for basketball as well, didn't you?
0: Yeah, well, I've listened to some of your other podcasts and it, there seems to be a pattern. Most of the guys are coming on and saying they were rubbish at team sports and they couldn't do this. Well, I was actually brilliant at everything. So, um, <laughs> No was, modesty or anything. <laughs> it was like um, one of those, um, one of those. I, I just loved all sports. And, I, and I'm joking when I say I was brilliant at everything, but um, I, I, I just, I just love whether it was basketball, football, mm-hmm. uh rugby, I, 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 I kind of loved the challenge. I explored lots of different sports, I think. it, it was, it was I, I just landed in the world of sport and tried my hand at pretty much anything that came my way.
1: And you were naturally, I guess, quite, quite good at it, which kind of, I guess, made it a bit easier for you to take to skiing. Now, had you, had your family gone skiing, or was, were you kind of the, the, the first person to no, give this a try? or
0: I, I would have been the guinea pig. I was mm-hmm. the first in the family to ski. Um, and um, for that, I, I, I thank my mum and dad because it was, uh, you know, here I am. If, if it wasn't for that trip, potentially, I, I, well, I might have been, I would have done something in sport, but perhaps not ski. It, it was just that trip that, that, that got it all started for me. Really.
1: And did they take up the uh, challenge when you came back from the trip and saying how awesome it was? Did they end up choosing to go on a, a ski holiday or, or try it with you as well at some point? Do, or
0: with... do you know what? They, they, they did, uh, mm-hmm. which is incredible. Um, so for, as a result of that trip, um, my mum, my dad and my brother all all went on subsequent, subsequent ski holidays. Um, but the, the main thing I came back from that trip is I came back the very proud owner of, I think it was a three or four star badge. And I thought I was going to be the next um, Franz Klammer. So um, that was... um <laughs> They gave you a little badge at the time, and that was my proudest possession. <laughs>
1: That's brilliant! Yeah, it, it, when you get those little awards, it's yeah. always a very amazing thing. Yeah, and, and the next thing you do, is say, "Sign up for the, uh, the the British ski team." Yeah,
0: well, that, so, that was the dream, but yeah, that, that clearly never happened.
1: Oh well, you're you're on the Salomon team, which is fine, which is which is brilliant. So, speaking of Salomon, the um, you know, we obviously a few uh, few episodes ago we were chatting to to Eric, but um with regards to salomon and its founding principles and how it started and all that sort of stuff can you just give us a quick recap in terms of how salomon was started and what you think the founding principles are of the brand
0: oh hell yeah yeah it's so um kind of there's so many different variations but the the simple the, the simple fact is it started in 1947 and it it was it's a brilliant story because it was started by a family uh George Solomon and his and his, and his father Francois started the factory. Started Salomon um, is it a little uh, a little house in Annecy, and I don't know if the, the listeners know Annecy, but if you don't, it's it you definitely get it on your radar for a a weekend away when um, when all this um, craziness is over. Uh, fly to Geneva, 20 minutes down the road, 25 minutes down the road, you're in this beautiful medieval town by a lake. Um, Fantastic people, wine, cheese, the whole lot. So I'll stop my Annecy tourist board bit, but um, it, it, it just gives you a flavour. And you're you're an hour and forty-five minutes, hour and thirty minutes away from the mountains. So it's the perfect place to to start this uh, this this fabulous fabulous company. And they actually started um, making um, hacksaw blades. And then uh, one of the local skiers came to them and said, "Look, we 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 need edges for our skis. We need metal edges." So they basically decided to 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 make the metal edges for the skis and then kind of it for, forgive the bum, but it snowboarded from there and um <laughs> and, and 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 it evolved to bindings. Um and then from bindings you're talking skis and then and then it just continued to grow to this fabulous um uh, mountain sports company, really. <laughs>
1: And uh, I mean, the home home of the of Salomon is still there in Annecy, and they have a, a fantastic uh, R and D center there as well. Now you've been there a few times, haven't you? To have a look around and all the different technologies that they're working on. I mean, you probably can't really give us any any uh, insider information, but do you see a a, a theme that of, of an ethos that runs through? all of all of the
0: different aspects of salomon oh for sure one of um george so you've got to bear in oh. mind that this is back in like 1947 the 50s and the 60s and the 70s and george salomon was um, i i I never met him which was really unfortunate but eric eric did and he just said the guy was incredible he was just you know he was a, a one of a kind and one of his sort of um uh, man- mantras if you like and w- was that um, he said one must continuously forge ahead and he said what fascinates me is what i'm going to do tomorrow so he was you know he was definitely one of the the the, the pioneers of uh, of industry and 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 the sports industry for sure because there were people he was just challenging he challenged the engineers all the time to make better be, better boots better skis and um and, and and grow grow what was possible um so absolutely and it's built on he had this thing about innovation. Uh, you've got to improve something. And guess what? It needs to be different. I mean, I'll throw a curveball mm-hmm. at you. Know, they even came out with a, a walking shoe that didn't have laces. It had a zip and, 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 and Velcro. And, and at the time, it was like, you know, you just didn't make a, a walking shoe with, with Velcro and zips. It was, it was all boots and, you know, leather, leather laces. And it was just anything they tried to do, it had to have a point of difference and really reinvent something here.
1: And what sort of time period would the uh, Velcro and zip shoe have been
0: exactly
1: uh, 15 years ago, 20 years yeah, ago? I
0: would, I, I would guess around about um, 20 years ago, but because I'm more on the ski side, I, I couldn't give you an exact. But you know what? I remember uh, I remember seeing it in stores and it was a, it was it was just it. I'm just trying to think, really. It was just like you'd walk in and say people would go, what is that? because it doesn't look like everything else on the shelf.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, uh, different is good. And so in terms of the snow sport side, then what do you think are some of the biggest innovations that you've seen in, in your career that Salomon have brought forward?
0: Well, I probably uh, rewind to about 1979, and I was a, a 16-year-old um, uh, lad uh, in in Brighton, and I landed my kind of what I would call my dream job. Going back to love what you do, um, I'd already worked out at sixteen. I hadn't read any self improvement books, but I just thought to myself, "Here you go. This this is Pete wagon's idea of what life is." And um, so I, I I landed a job in Alpine Sports in Western Road, Brighton, and it was mm-hmm. the, it, they basically sold skis, skates, and surf gear, and it was all imported from the states. And I thought, how how cool is this? And I remember, and I genuinely remember this, the the Salomon launched, and as I say, in 1979, the SX-90 Keep ski boot. And it was a, I'm sure the listeners will know, it was a rear entry boot. But at the time, every ski boot on the market was a traditional buckle boot. So again, guess what? It's back to the Velcro boot and the zip boot. It's like people walked in and looked at it and said, what is that? It doesn't look like the rest of the boot's on 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 the shelf and as a as a as a young lad selling them it was just incredible because it, it was a game it's a cliche again game changer it absolutely was and you can call a game changer something when it really does does that and 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 this did that because i can tell you now when somebody put their boot in a sorry their foot in a uh, a traditional buckle boot it was a job to even get their foot in there and then to do it up if they were clamped in there and the technologies from race were kind of like um, they were. It was just too stiff for a lot of people. So along came this rear entry boot that you could open that opened out to accept your foot. You put your foot in it. It was comfortable. It was. Uh, it had a special adjustment for the heel to pull the heel back. You could adjust the width to to your personal shape. And, and to 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 top it all, they had a unique sizing system. So you weren't sized in like eight or nine. It was a volume size. Uh, like you were either a three thirty-five, which was about an eight, a three four-five, which was about a, a, eight, a was about nine. So the whole process was just like this is special, you know, and that, that that's what Solomon do. They're special and they're different. Um, I mean, there, there's Phil. We probably haven't got long enough for me to to to, 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 to <laughs> continue, but I'm gonna so take you back to 1979. That that was the uh, the SX90 a keep. Uh, do you want more?
1: Yeah, yeah yeah for sure i mean i that's i mean part of it is the you know we can all take a look at uh perhaps some of the uh, if you want to call it, the wikipedia of, of of snow sports but i think what's you know fantastic is if you you're able to bring some of these things to life because you you've kind of seen them and you know not only have you seen them from being on the shop floor and uh, but you've also then had the opportunity to see them from a from a business standpoint and the impact they've had on the business so i mean we all know right now that you know there's certain certain boots within the salomon range which are are the bread and butter boots um but uh and and i think that that's that's um you know really really key but yeah if you have a few other ones that you think are are fantastic you know almost keystone products if you want to call it that yeah by all means please
0: yeah well i mean so so you had the you had the revolution if you like of rear entry boots and then around about you you, you, it was a great salomon would always start with the top end. So we're starting at a performance product here in 79. And then in sort of 80, 82 and 83, they came with like a, a, an SX 60 and an SX 70, which were aimed at the uh, low or not. the Well, yeah, the lower performance skiers. It's, it's not a problem to, to use that term or more recreational skiers. Um, so they, they had a, a genius idea of, you know, joining at the top and then, opening out to the masses or the, the the recreational skiers and then in 1984 you had the SX91 keep and one thing i haven't mentioned phil is you know you know that well i don't know if you do but back in those days it was all about color and and it was it was great it was it was it was long hair it was rock rock music um you know it was just <laughs> such an inspiration the time to be around and 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 you had like bands like the clash and the stranglers you had you had punk rock, you had um, rock, and and it was just like yeah glam rock and, and and the boots and the colors were so exciting and so so different, and they just matched the time. so you had the Essex um, 91 in in, in 84 um, there, there's a lot in between, but then I'd probably fast forward to two thousand uh, to 1990, I reckon, when guess what, game changer, using that word again, along comes the Solomon ski. And what was different about that? Well, the traditional construction was a sandwich construction for a ski. Um, imagine a sandwich with, a, with some wood in it, um, with, with some metal in it, perhaps, with edges, etc., etc. Salomon came out with this unique monocoque cap that ran sort of like from edge to edge. And it was a load bearing structure and it was super light and um, basically filled, you know, filled with foam. So it was just a different kind of take on the traditional market. And when we launched that, it was it was super exciting to be behind the launch. The prototypes were all uh, white skis with just like uh, an S on the tip. And you should see the people looking at you when you took this ski to the hill and saying, you know, who are you? What are you doing? And, and And what is this different ski? So, yeah, very, very, very different and follows follows those those, you know, the DNA of innovate, improve and be different
1: yeah the I, I think sometimes the uh, perhaps we take for granted uh fact obviously the technology of, of all these different products come forth but and you know just a bit of a shout out to to you and to the uh the other people within the you know UK snowboard industry because you know France obviously being just uh, across the water um you know people such as yourself and eric and and to this day uh, there are lots of different uh, people within the the UK snowboard industry who um, we take for granted that Salomon and, and brands will come to to you and look to have your input in terms of product and uh, the way you want to have it developed. And mm-hmm. I believe right now you currently sit on some of the development boards for boots and skis and everything like that. But back in the in the in back in the day, there a little bit as you say. You know you're part of the team that helps develop some of these new products. Everybody thinks that it's always done in a distant galaxy far, far away, and yeah. uh, their market perhaps doesn't have have an input. But could you speak to that a little bit about some of the work you've done in terms of the uh, ski innovation and, uh, you, you've and boot innovation you've worked on?
0: yeah, sure. so so again, Solomon's uh, approach to this is that they, they very much start start this process with with athletes, so they're talking to to athletes. Um, so they 've got the the, the the high the high performers the the top performers involved, but they also use uh, 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 lifties uh, influencers in resort they also use retailers and to me so they get a broad kind of spectrum of of, of opinions from people within the industry so there 's no point in just producing uh, speaking if you just spoke to an athlete you know you, you You'd you get something crazy wouldn't you you know but you, so you need to have some you need to have a, uh, a round a sense to it so by bringing in different people they can they can choose where they go um, and if you talk about retailers i what we do with a boot for example here's a crazy one so a retailer will be asked to try on three different boots they'll be blindfolded before it happens now you always get a bit nervous when they did this to me and they blindfolded me I thought I was going to have them a, my trousers pulled down or, a, or, a, or, a, or an egg thrown at me. But, but luckily enough, that, that didn't happen. But I was still very nervous because it's Solomon. So you're blindfolded and, and you have to put your foot in three different boots and you have to answer a series of questions. As, you know, so you put your foot in the first one and they say, right, OK, what do you feel? Instant. How was it? Instant fit. What did it feel like? what did the heel hold feel like and there's a there's a guy recording all this in the corner he's typing in all the uh all, all the um the information and the feedback from from everybody so you've got that static testing then you're asked to go out on the mountain and actually test the product you come back you give your feedback in they're not gonna they're not just gonna say because this person has said this needs to happen they change it but they get enough opinions from people And then they collate that information and then they start kind of forging forward on the on the on the on on, start the prototypes and to to push on from there really and, um, and get the get the killer product.
1: And how long does this process tend to take uh, from your experience? I mean, obviously, it, it can vary depending on the product, but yeah, you're, you know, you're talking how long three, does it sort of take?
0: Three three to five years sometimes. It can be five years. If it's a brand new project, it can take that long. But normally on boots, you're talking three, three four years on a, on, on, on a boot.
1: And does it make you smile a little bit, taking a look at the current state of the industry that – certain uh boot designs have almost gone full circle kind of come back around to those designs uh that Salomon were were famous for back in the uh 80s and 90s the uh the rear entry boots what are your what's your take on that yeah
0: no well, well for sure i i it did make me smile absolutely i i, I think the but it, it's all it's all very well going you know it's not seen as a step backwards but, but what what you need to do is 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 if you're going to go down that route, you need to come with a, like I've said before, with an improvement. So mm-hmm. as long as you get an improvement, I, 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 I'm in. I'm not so sure that the current crop are are where I I, I would see Salomon going because um, you know it's all very well to 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 fall back on on what was there, but I I, I love it, but I want to see uh I want to see an improvement in in, in what it's got to offer. Does that make sense? Yeah, Yeah. no, definitely. I
1: think, I think one of the the best things is the uh, you know, we, there's probably a a customer base that uh, was familiar with that design, um, uh, you know, back however many years ago. And, and, yeah. yeah, And that, you know, if you have people that perhaps on the cusp of perhaps leaving the snow sport industry, because they find it difficult to put, put boots on, I would, you know, dare I say, regardless of brand, I I would just be enthusiastic to make sure that we keep people involved in the sport as much as we can uh because it's such a f- such a fantastic thing such a an experience to get out into the mountains yeah
0: that's that's a fair point it's just from from my that that's me you know I, like i say mm. you know i'm i'm going to be looking for always uh, excitement improvements but yeah no I, I i take your point there that that, 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 yeah. that that's, that's that's yeah we want as many people in the snow sports industry as we can get and if they can get in the boot and it's comfortable and it's easy, then I'm not going to stop them for sure.
1: Yeah. So with getting uh, boots on and getting out and traveling a little bit, you've obviously had the chance to travel uh, a fair amount around the world, perhaps, uh, you know, doing some pretty amazing ski adventures. Um, Do you have one that perhaps stands out in your mind in terms of perhaps the most exciting that you've done?
0: Crikey. Now you're asking. So, I think um I think there's there's there was a this thing I read the other day about Albert Einstein and apparently when he was asked a question he, he didn't answer it straight away because um a lot of people think oh just answer straight away and he's get the quickest answer is the one that wins. Well he actually used to pause for a long time and think and I might have to take an Albert Einstein pause. Um uh do you know what? There's so many. Uh, I, I'd probably go I here you go. I'd probably go with any any one day I had in in uh, Niseko in Japan. So I was there for five days, and I could I could choose. Every day I was there was a great day because the powder was so soft, so amazing. You had um, here you go. it's a Davy Mercer story. So you're talking about so legends, perhaps as he needs a mention. So Davy was uh, the sales, uh, sales area sales manager for Scotland. He's an ex-Olympian, um, uh, and he was leading uh, the group. I was bringing up the rear, so to speak. And you're not supposed to ski under the lifts in, in, in Japan. It's a big. They, they basically shoot you if you do it. So um, he, he basically sees this beautiful field of powder. He, he, he veers left. He skis full on down the fall line, snow flying everywhere. It is genuinely, it sounds like a story, but it's, it's chest deep great turns the group half the group crashes falls over goes back on the piece There's disarray everywhere the sirens go off and that's what they do because you're not supposed to be skiing there davy skis away and basically i'm 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 left there to pick up the pieces but um yeah no any any day in the secco um but I, I guess really the one that stands out will be a, a day that i shared with um again with with davy uh I shared breakfast with Eric Davis, who you know, and Nigel Shepherd, who needs another shout out. So we had breakfast at 7 a.m. in Whistler. This was the first trip that um, Salomon had done to Whistler. And um, uh, Davy and I went up with uh, Nigel Shepherd. He took us up for a, a, a hike. And I, I love now, my, my passion has developed into, into more off-piste. So, but there's a limit to the time I want to hike, and I, I'm probably in that gentle zone, so I want about an hour max. So, bless him, Shep did. We did about an hour, hour and twenty minutes hike up. It's a cliche. The sun was out, blue skies. We got to the the, the, the top of the mountain up in Whistler, and you just could you could see forever. Um, I can remember it so vividly now. And then when we skied down, it's just myself and, uh, and and Davey and and Shep. And the powder, again, the classic knee to waist deep, beautiful virgin turns, trees. And when we, I remember stopping and it was so silent, Phil, you you, you couldn't hear anything. You were just lost in the mountains. And then a crow, I want to say an eagle, but the the truth is it was a crow. So this crow literally flew by us, but you could hear him coming. You could hear the wings flapping, sort of the the wings as he, as he flew up to us and past us. And, and it was just such a p- peaceful moment and so beautiful. And then we carried on skiing down. And of course, you know, it's, you, you get, you, it was just a dream day, Phil. That, that, that would be it probably that, that day in Whistler.
1: I've got such a big smile on my face right now. That's so cool. I, uh, yeah, it's, um, I, can, I can just imagine it. And uh, I mean, that's one of the reasons I love that place so much as well. And, and listen, but, did, yeah. I,
0: did I mention the breakfast or not?
1: uh well you mentioned you had breakfast
0: it has to go hand in glove here if you're gonna have a great day it's gotta have you have gotta have a great breakfast right so it was was eggs bacon toast the whole the the whole shebang so that goes without saying right maple syrup Uh, yeah the the famous maple syrup absolutely all over
1: (laughs) (laughs) there get get a, a plug in for Canada again why not yeah, that sounds good to me sounds good to me so um obviously you've had a you spend a lot of time with eric and you spent time with davy and everything like that um as you look at your snow sports career is there a person or uh, uh character that's really influenced you in your snow sports career uh that's perhaps had a, a big impact
0: i would yeah hell yeah i mean i mean again it's like choose your best day where do you begin i mean one of the reasons that that I've stayed here so long is because of the great product, but also the the, the, the great people. And I know there's there's a, another another uh, and I, and I agree with this. It says it, it's saying if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. <laughs> so I'm uh, lucky enough, um, most of the time, that's not the case. And there's been people, yes. Yeah, so I mean, here you go. So my the guy that actually gave me my job at Salomon back in 1999. Was a guy called i um, A. G- I've got to get this right. George. It was George Cur. No, James Curley, because they're two brothers, and 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 um, not that they look alike, but uh, yeah. So it was um, it was um, James that gave me the job, and he was a funny enough uh, Canadian um, from Vancouver. And um, the guy's gone on to be the CEO, I believe, at uh, at Levi's. He's now with uh, Gibson Guitars. He's met. Um, who uh, was the president at the time, so he 's met um i can 't remember which president he he, he met but he 's met definitely met with a with a, with with one of the american uh, uh, presidents and he 's just such he was he was a, another game changing guy um and in my interview, he said to me, "I see from your c v that you don 't snowboard and I went well back in the day, you know there was this sort of weird thing wasn 't there between skiers and snowboarders and I was sort of thinking i 'm a skier i 'm not a snowboarder and then and then he said to me, um, how, "How do you feel about learning to snowboard?" <laughs> and I just went, "Where do I sign?" You know, it's, it's just such a what, what 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 a what a great offer, you know. So anyhow, uh, and in, in fairness to him, I signed, got got joined Salomon, and then within six months, I was out in Park City, learning to snowboard with another uh, uh, an, 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 another skiing legend, who's Midge, Midge White, who's now with ball Bags. Mm-hmm. And um, we we, we went up, and um, we, we 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 took some boards out, and we we snowboarded for half a day. And I'll never forget. We came down the mountain, and uh, Midge looked at me in one of his his smiles. He said, "So that snowboarding cracked then?" And he said, "We we'd basically learned to snowboard in half a day." But um, no, that that <laughs> you, Mr. Curly is, is is fabulous. You then <laughs> then wind on to uh, you, you've got to mention Eric because. Um, uh he's just such a you know 35 years in Salomon. and um again it's he, taught me so much um you got davy for i mean cuz davy was an ex olympian as i said his claim to fame was that he once beat albert Tomba in, in a in a in a slalom race. i, I didn't Did know, you that. Not know that huh.
1: No. Did not know that. No. Go on. Go on, you gotta tell us that go on. Gotta no. well, no, on that part.
0: Going, gotta Well, no, no. He, he probably was about sixteen at the time, but um he still beat him. So um a junior it's it, it still it's still chalked up as a as a victory. But um here you go. My best Davy Mercer story is he and I were out in air Salomon had just launched goggles, and we, we weren't too sure about goggles at the time, Davy and I. We you know, we, we knew about boots and skis, but we got these two new goggles to test, so we went up in air it was a very flat light uh, day, but there was a lot of powder around. So, unusually, Davy said we're going to go off piste. So I said, "Great!" So I follow Merce down this run, and I'm not kidding; he's going to hate me for this. But he fell over, um, and and this is something that just doesn't happen, right? Davy doesn't hadn't fallen over since about 1975. So he picks himself up, and he's going to hate me. He said, "I can't believe I'm saying." This. Brushes all the snow off, and then we carry on. And we're, but bearing in mind, it really is flat light. And we're in these solar goggles, which we can't see a damn thing. So there's a bit of a, an excuse for Merce there. He skis down, carry on skiing down. And I'm not kidding. He falls over again. So this is the second time I've seen him fall, fall over, in, in like ever. So he gets up, brushes himself off again. And he turns around to me and says, Pete, do you want to lead? And I said, piss off, Davy." You're the Olympian. And it was like, you could just see him just, just, just literally (laughs) for the first time ever, he didn't want to, he didn't want to lead. So, yeah, that's, 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 that's Davy. And and I'm sorry in in advance, Davy, but um, I blame you, Phil, for asking me.
1: (laughs) All right. I'll take it. I'll take it. Well, that's cool. I I really like that. That's the thing, isn't it? But the, I think the industry as a whole is that there's so many great. People, uh, hence the reason to kind of work on this podcast. But also, I think there's some great stories, and it's great having these opportunities to smile and 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 relive some of these uh stories. Because ultimately, that's it's about sharing some fun times, isn't it? Oh. And uh, I think that it's it, that's kind of why we do it, isn't it? A hundred
0: percent. And just just while we because listen, I can you, your podcast could last for a day, but there's there's one other thing, and it's not it's not necessarily so much a story, but just about Solomon. So. In uh, about 1998, they appointed a new CEO, Jean-Luc Diard, and his father was the mayor of Tien. Um, But the, the reason I'm mentioning Jean-Luc is because he was an ex-ski instructor. So how cool is that? The guy's a ski instructor, and then he rises to, to, the, be, to be the CEO of Salomon. And, and that kind of, for me, says it all. And I actually met him. He came over. I took him into a snow and rock store in um in, in 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 london and check this out he actually we had an appointment with a with a ski department manager and um he, he he was one-on-one with him and he said right what do you think of the salomon skis what's selling imagine that how cool was that
1: wow that's very yeah. cool yeah <laughs> um so if you were uh you know if you were to not be involved in the snow sport industry you said before and you probably want to do something in sport
0: if i'd been um i don't know i'm, like, I'm rubbish at a height but if i'd been about another two foot taller i probably would have been in i would have wanted to play in the nba so i i, I thought the, the mere fact that i'm five foot ten um probably didn't help but um yeah i wanted to be a uh, i would have loved to have been a pro basketball player um but
1: didn't you play at like county level oh, yeah, or no, university I did. I did. level did or something like
0: that? Pro. I mean, I listen, I, I did get paid, but it, it, we, it, it was back in the day when um, uh, the National League basketball was on uh, Channel 4 on a Monday night. So we got, you know, we, we had pe- guys from the States were over being paid for a six month contract. But of course, at the time, there was uh, the, the majority of the team would have been made up with Americans and Canadians. Yeah. Thanks, Canada. Thanks, America. But... Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so little, 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 little Pete here. Yeah, no, I played. I played for a, a couple of seasons, but I, I kept the bench warm. I got on. A, I played at Wembley uh, in the Wembley Arena in the finals. So it's a pretty. I, I did okay. I did okay for a, a five foot ten guy.
1: And did you do any rugby either? Because I know that's one of your other. Yeah, I was, like
0: I said to you, I was brilliant at all sports. <laughs> no, so, it's, Listen, you you need to see me smiling because your listeners are going to think who is this guy. But no, um, yeah, rugby. I I absolutely had a passion for rugby and uh, I was sharing a beer with uh, Eric the other day and uh, he asked me what position I played in rugby. And I said, well, I played wing, I played centre and I also played flanker. And he he nearly spilt his his, his, his Guinness because uh, he looked at me and he said, you're not big enough to play flanker. And I said, well, look, Eric. I I wasn't big enough to play basketball but I managed to make a success of it so um we 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 chuckled over that We chuckled over that
1: And and your uh, uh, more recent uh, is it recent your your passion for surfing because that that's uh, definitely something which yeah. is
0: well I call you, it a, you're doing I, now I call more it a life it. crisis really so it was either that or continue riding a Harley Davidson and I thought what's where where are I going to take this and I thought well Surfing is probably less dangerous. So about eight years ago, I, I decided to become a proper surfer and surf through the winter. That's uh, that's the, that's the mm-hmm. mark for me. So um, it's not just the sort of sunny days and um, the, the warm days when it's when it's kind of offshore and three to four foot. It's it's the dark, damp days when it's raining. And trust me, here's the thing. Right where I surf, down in Shoreham, basically the um, the Storm Riders Guide to Surfing has a little description of the, the beaches and the breaks, and the hot pipes where I surf is described as wind slop for the desperate. So, so Meaning that basically if you're not a surfer, the only time there's ever surf there is if it's blowing about 30, 40 mile an hour winds, and it's pretty hairy. So uh, that's, that, 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 that will be my, that's my other passion now, surfing.
1: Uh, when you mention uh, surfing in the deepest darkest winters and it's and it's you know windy and cold everything like that um I, I feel like i'm telling a story out of church though because is that always the same in california when you've gone surfing well
0: funny enough no and that's why we go so um <laughs> uh, yeah no california well so i so santa cruz is i've done santa cruz and um i've done santa barbara but what i didn't know phil about santa cruz is it's in a an area they call the Red Triangle. And the Red Triangle is where there's the most shark attacks in America. So I think if myself and Anna <laughs> had known that was the case, perhaps we might not have gone got in so, so much. But yes, yes, no. That was always one of my passions, Phil. You, you, you're so good at this. I wanted to be able to, uh, well, I, it's a, a passion. It's, it's a lead from Eric, actually, because Eric did this. So I'm just following that path. So I wanted to be able to ski and surf on the same holiday. Did I say holiday? I meant um, dealer trip. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> stir, 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 stir. So obviously this, this year has been a crazy year for everybody, regardless of what industry you've been in. And uh, we can think of the, the sunnier times when you head out skiing and surfing and everything like that. So um, during lockdown, I guess you're locked down as much as everybody else, do you have, what would be your most extravagant Purchase during uh, the COVID lockdown.
0: Oh, you're going to, you're going to, I'm going to get into trouble now. So, uh, what, what do you think it might be?
1: Uh, oh, a bottle of wine?
0: You see, you're just like a mind reader. So, yes, it was. <laughs> was yeah, it, a bottle of like wine? it was a bottle of wine. <laughs> <laughs> and a bottle of whiskey. Um, so I, I, oh, followed, you know, I followed the path of, I thought, well, if I'm not going to make it through the winter, I might as well spend my money on some expensive wine. So I upgraded from Pinot Grigio to uh, Sancerre and Chablis and, and, and treated myself to a nice bottle of whiskey. So, um, yeah, that was, oh, no. I'd, well, that, there you go. And, and I did dive into, an, I got a nice new wetsuit as well. So I got a, um, it's a cracking suit from XL. And um, it's my first suit with an integrated hood so that um, when I'm in the sea now, I'm toasty warm. So, whiskey, fine wines and wetsuits for me, it was.
1: So, that that could be the uh, name of our next
0: podcast, couldn't it? The only reason it wasn't ski is because luckily, I'm I'm so fortunate that that I I get, when I say get given, I test and I've I've got a garage full of skis. So, I I won't sadly be, well, happily don't need to buy skis. Otherwise, it would have been something ski related. But... um, yeah.
1: so with, with all these different challenges, and uh, with your wine off to one side and your whiskey after uh, one side as well, uh, what would you think has been the the what do you think is the, your biggest challenge right now in in the role that you you're doing, and what are you doing to kind of overcome these these
0: challenges okay so it's another Einstein moment really because again it's a, it's a big uh, a big question and, and not one that you can just sort of sort of jump into um, but but pause doesn't go down well in a podcast. Um, no, 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 no. Nah, it's all so, right. So, listen, I, I, I'm in contact as much as I can with, with my, my lovely dealers. Um I'm speaking to them as much as I can in terms of developments, what's happening, how Salomon see the future, trying to reassure them that, that there is going to be a ski industry when we come out of this, reassure them that there's some great products coming, although they might not be thinking about those great products now. Think about the good times when when this virus will be gone or under control or we, we, we live with it in a, in in a, in a reasonable way. Um, so really I would say it's, it's, it's the basic human experience of conversation, reassure, contact. Um, and, and, and on a serious note, listen, you know, we've been working with people on, 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 payment terms, you know, you've got it, you've got it, it's, it's out there. It's, it's super tough for everybody. So I think it's just, just that, Phil. Conversation with people. Talk to people, and it, I guess it's like therapy, really. You just, if you think you've got a problem, let, let, let's let's discuss it. um, um It's it's yeah. It's it, it's just. It's I've never known anything like it in my 22 years. We've had you know uh, sh- containers of, of ships have been uh, have sunk, have set on fire. We've had um, materials haven't been delivered to factory. Cancellation of ranges. We've had the. I've, we've even probably had a gentle product recall so you know we all thought those were the years of, of disaster well they, they were nothing compared to what we're we've got now so um we're we're you know hoping and 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 just reassuring our dealers that um we're still going to be around and um you know we're going to work with them
1: that sounds like good advice the uh and, and i think speaking advice i mean it's this new sport industry is such a dynamic industry and i think retail is is obviously it's changing as well but if we have somebody who's perhaps listening perhaps maybe isn't involved in the snow sport industry but perhaps has an inkling or a bit of a passion uh to you know perhaps they've done a season perhaps they've done i don't know maybe they've um they, they've skied all their life but they they would like to get involved in this industry uh maybe it's working the way up to be a rep for salomon or maybe it's uh, you know Working in a shop or something like that, or do you have any any thoughts or any advice or any guidance you could perhaps give to people who are perhaps perhapscompensating a
0: hundred percent so I mean listen if I can like I said to you earlier on i've I have you know read a everyone's read their fair share of uh, of various books and things and 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 there's an overriding thing that comes out in a lot of them and it's 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 do you know do what you love or I mean the cliche is find your passion but I think do what you love what you do rather is what i want to say because that that means that you know whatever you do you're going you're going to love it but um so my 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 journey was i just thought to myself right i've been on this ski holiday absolutely love it can i can i move out there well that, back in the day i probably couldn't move to yugoslavia so no um so what's the nearest thing to it let let let, let let's get a job in a in a ski shop so you've just got to do the the the, the you know Do the basics right, and um, and and you know you you set yourself up to um, succeed. Here's something for you. There's a um, there's a story that I think I got this one from uh, a book I read recently, Legacy by James Kerr. I think that's where I got it from. And there's a story about J.P. Morgan, who's the banker and philanthropist, and he was shown an envelope containing what the the guy said to him: "This is a guaranteed formula for success." (laughs) and he agreed that if he liked what was written inside it, he would pay the guy uh, two hundred, uh, sorry, $25,000, which back in the day was quite a lot of money. So he'd pay that for the content. So JP J. Morgan opened, opened the envelope, nodded, and basically paid, paid the guy the money. And the advice in the envelope was, was this. Number one was every morning write a list of things that you need to do that day. Makes sense? Number two, do them. So it's, it's, it's kind of like, but basic advice. So my advice to anybody that wants to work in the ski industry is decide where you want to work and basically make it happen and go and do it. Don't, don't be afraid. Don't let people tell you you can't do it. And you're going to hear it a lot on the podcasts everywhere. It, but do, do, do. Lewis Hamilton said it when he won the, 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 the Formula One championship a couple of weekends ago. Anything's possible. Follow your dream.
1: Oh, I love it. Love it. No, I'd, yeah. I yeah. Follow your dream. Yeah. yeah, love it. I think it's great. So um, what is, uh, uh, you, obviously, you've done some pretty cool things over your 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 career. You've done some uh, surfing, rugby. You've done travel and everything like that. Is there anything that you've done that people, most people wouldn't know that you've done that you want well, to feel a, like you well, can well, share with say, us? I feel like uh, you can
0: share with you. So you've just, yeah, um, there's plenty of stuff that I've done that I don't want to share at right. all. <laughs>
1: T- time in a moroccan prison no, or something no, like no. that well
0: here, here's a random one so in in my list of sports I, I i have represented the county at pole vault believe it or not um i was uh so I, I i had the sussex record for a while at three meters 75 with the old fiberglass pole so you you know you hair down that uh track and plant the pole bend it and ping over uh, I was a pole vaulter. i love that um career wise here 's a random one i 'm going to drop it out there now. I was actually a doorman for three years uh, uh, part time doorman so that was uh, I survived one of the uh, the roughest clubs in um in Brighton and again Eric reminded me he said, hang on a minute he said you how come you played flanker you were a flanker and you 're five ten you played basketball you 're five ten and now you 're trying to tell me you 're a doorman and you're five ten so um yeah it 's quite unbelievable but um <laughs> Yes, I, 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 I managed to survive it, and um, luckily uh, had had nothing nasty happen to me. So,
1: oh, that's good. I like that. I didn't know I didn't know you did pole vault either. That's quite cool. Right. So I've got three final questions, okay. which I like to ask everybody. So, um, if people had to take away a sentence, a word, or a phrase that encapsulates Salomon's brand essence,
0: what would that be? <sighs> okay. So I probably mentioned it, um, I mentioned it before, but it would be it would to to be different. Uh, to improve and to to innovate really is is what we do it's it's all about it's about the product and the, and, and the people but without 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 doing those three things none of this really exists because we're just not going to produce another ski boot we never really turn up and say well here's another ski boot and it's a different color you know there's there's always a reason here's a new ski boot and by the way it does something special here it's got this new liner it's got this new shell we remember we, we innovated with custom shell. Um, you know, we were we have plenty of world at first Solomon original tech. So innovate, improve, be different.
1: Sounds good. Uh, what would do you what do you want your snowsport legacy to be? Since I think so. we just mentioned legacy yeah, a moment ago yeah. as well. Good book. Um,
0: I met her, um I, where was I? I was at Pat Sharple's wedding um a few years ago now. Pat. Hi, Pat. So, and um, uh, and 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 one of one <laughs> of Pat's friends came up to me and uh, introduced himself, and he said, uh, "Pete, I listened to your uh, binding tech course in, uh, I think he said in Tamworth, uh, when I was about 16. And he said, "I mean, I know I'm saying I'm blowing my own trumpet, but I, I didn't, This is a true story." He said it inspired me, Pete. He said you were, you, it was just really, really on it, really professional. There was, there was. Uh, you know, there was some, some, some levity thrown in there. Um And he just said, from that moment on, I wanted to work in the ski industry. And I thought, well, how nice is that? So I, I think it's, 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 it's like, there's a saying, isn't there plant trees, you never see. So, you know, it, for me, I'm working with James boys and hopefully I'm, I'm feeding information down to James. And then when I, when I hang up my, my ski boots and, and, and go surfing and skiing uh he'll be he'll be carrying on the work that i've done and it's similar again to stuff in the in the book the legacy the all blacks they they have the senior players and they uh they pass on the information eric's passed it on to me Davies passed it on to me so i guess it's just pass information on to to the next generation of uh, of, of salomon guys and girls
1: Ooh, love it! I think that's that's great, and uh, you know the other thing is yeah. they'll probably put their own little little take yeah. on things as well yeah. and develop it and uh, and build on. it That's good. And our final question is: Who do you think a legend is, and why?
0: A legend in in terms of just what a- a- anything B- business sports? Yeah,
1: yeah. A legend could be could be business, could be a legend in sport. Uh, who okay, do you think? So who again, you, I, I, you can't
0: there. answer that in one person, but there's I'm going to rattle off a few just 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 here they are. So um, uh, Nelson Mandela for me, one, 100% read his book. It's the, it's, it's a thickness of about five Bibles, but it's great um, just for what he did and, 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 and what he stands for and what, what a special person sports wise. You've got to say somebody like Michael Jordan in basketball. Um, I mean, the fact that that you, yeah. a lot of the, the listeners will probably have listened to um, the, the story on the Netflix story. Um, uh, i can 't remember what it 's called now um, the last dance that 's it so check that out on uh, on i think it 's on Netflix but Jordan had flu or food poisoning one before one of the big playoff games, and he was you know sick in his bed, he got out of his bed he turned up didn 't know he was going to play he had he re- genuinely was sweating you could see the man was ill and he sing pretty much single handedly carried that team through to win that series and 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 the guy was just off the charts, you know, just, just incredible. So there you go. Michael Jordan in sports in my field. I'm going to have to say Eric because Eric just, just, he gave me my job. Um, he, uh, he, he was a, a fantastic skier. He challenged me every day. You know, they say, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. And I've already said that, but, but I was always looking for people that were going to challenge me and improve me. And Eric, Eric did that. Um, I think they would probably be, there's three. I think that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah.
1: That's yeah. good. That's good. That's really good. That's brilliant. Well, uh, I'd like to thank you. Thank you for your help and for your uh, all your work that you do day in and day out and uh, for the work that we do together and the time we spend together. It's always brilliant. And uh, thank you very much for, your time today and uh, for sharing some of your stories and your insights and a bit of history because there's even though I, I know you and spent a lot of time and traveled with you there's certain things that I don't know so I think it's it's brilliant and uh, thank you as well for shedding some light on on Salomon and your vision of it and uh, some of the stories I really appreciate it so it's uh, it's been it's been a nice oh, bit of time it's been amazing I'm
0: just going to leave with this last thought so my I've just thought to myself what's my favorite ski of all time from Salomon and it would be the pocket rocket. So there's something um, for, for people to go and look, look on the internet, check out the pocket rocket. I'm guessing, um, uh, probably around about 2000 or 19 something. I'm not sure, but have a look at the pocket rocket. Amazing ski. So Phil, thanks. Thanks for uh, involving me in this. I think it's great. And, um, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll catch up with you soon eh? when we can actually, um, go out for a, a, a beer legally. Well, a beer
1: come. or a glass of nice wine. <laughs> really, all right, Pete. We'll take care. Have yourself a great thanks,
0: afternoon, pal. and we'll speak soon. Bye. For
1: now. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Legends of the Brand. Hope you enjoyed yourself. Listen, drop us an email at info at dot info at legendsofthebrand.com if you'd like to reach out and get in touch and make sure to check out the show notes also at all the w's at legendsofthebrand.com take care have a great day bye